Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to have Kristen Meehan, who is a art teacher in Brooklyn and the author of the book, This Is Not Forever, dedicated to children living through the pandemic. Thank you so much, Kristen, for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay, so I wanna find out, um, tell me about yourself. You are a teacher, so I wanna hear about your experience as a teacher, um, how you guys are surviving the COVID, and then let, we'll talk about your book. Yeah, sure. So I have been a teacher for 14 years now in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Uh, The last five years, I've been a visual art teacher and I teach K to five. I'm a mom myself. I have three young kids. I have uh, a five-year-old, a three and a half-year-old and a one and a half-year-old. Wow. (laughs) So we are busy um, doing the uh, remote teaching. I'm helping Sophie doing her remote learning, Um, you know, it's, it's been a lot. I can't tell a lie. It's been a lot. <laughs> yeah. So tell me how you are getting through this pandemic with being a teacher and t- being a mom of three very young children. It really has come down to all about routines, honestly. Um, I'm here by myself because my husband is a custodian at a school, so he's a, an essential worker. So I'm here with them all day, and we kind of run things like school. We have a routine. We have a behavior chart you know, so that everybody knows what to expect. And it's kind of, it's exhausting to have to do it that way all the time, but it's so worth it because the day just goes so much better when we run things like that. And how are your kids doing with remote learning? Um, So Sophie's the only one in school. She's in pre-K and she's doing really good. She has an activity a day and her class gets together twice a week on a live Zoom so that she gets to see her teachers and her friends, which is really nice for her but it's been hard to keep the motivation you know like in the beginning this was fun and exciting and now it's sort of like okay come on we got to get to your work and it's sort of like "Mm." right (laughs) he's a little bit you know but the uh, excitement has worn off right I'm um, I teach theater to pre-k and k so um, I'm doing remote theater online and which is which is interesting but i i love my pre-k class i adore them and they love theater so it's just a great age to pretend oh absolutely so cute so cute. Uh, so I have, how uh, in kindergarten is one of the grades i'm teaching for visual art and their projects are coming really really cute and the families are enjoying doing that type of work together i think it's like a and nice he, break to the academic stuff so right and so tell me about what it's like to be a, a visual arts teacher remotely. I mean, I can imagine that is incredibly challenging. It's a little weird, for sure. Um, So right now I teach kindergarten, second, and fifth. So I have about 280 students that I'm assigned to. Um, So that just makes it difficult in itself that it's so many kids to uh, supervise. And the other thing that's hard is like, you don't know what kind of supplies they have at home. So I really have changed my curriculum to meet the needs of these kids at home and that they might only have a pencil and a piece of paper, you know? Um, Typically at school, I would be doing ceramics at the end of the year. I would be doing uh, sculptures where we build these giant 3D sculptures. So that has all sort of taken uh, a break and I've 
come up with all different activities that I feel like uh, are easy for them to be able to execute at home with what they have. And has it been, how has it been with the parents helping the kids? Because I'm sure some of these kids need that extra help. Absolutely. Um, it's for the most part, I'm getting a great turnout and parents, like I said, families are doing the projects together and they're sending me pictures of the siblings getting in on it and stuff like that, which is really nice to see. Um, but then you also, like I spent the day today calling families, checking in on them, people who are still missing work, um, just seeing if everything's okay and people are struggling. Uh, there are people that have their kids staying with grandparents and the grandparents don't know how to use the technology. Um, I have kids whose parents are on the army base and they're working all day long. I have kids whose parents are working in hospitals. So there's people facing a lot of different kinds of challenges and we just have to keep that in mind as educators, I think. Right, and it, and you've, it sounds like you've risen above it and have been able to push your way through it, which Fine. is what we're all doing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. Really, really, like I start every phone call with, are you guys okay? How can I help you? You know, trying to just show them that I am on their side and I'm not calling to yell at them and say, you need to do this work. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey, that's for sure. But I feel like I've really, I've gotten to know some of these parents that I never really would have spoken to otherwise in this way. So it's been really interesting. Interesting. So tell me how This Is Not Forever came about, this book. So it actually all started with a colleague of mine who now lives in California. She sent me the link for, uh, it was a contest. It was held by um, Emory World Health, was having a contest for people to create these children books about COVID-19. And she sent it to me and said, you have to do this. You, I know you do bookmaking with your students every year. We do the Ezra Jack Keats contest every year in my classroom. Um, so she's like, you have to do your own book, do it. So. She sort of sparked the fire and I sat one night and I said, okay, if I were really going to make a book about this, what would it be like? And I just kind of sketched out some ideas, wrote down some ideas and it came out of me so easily. And I think it's because it's all based on true life conversations that we've had here in our house, things that are really happening. Um, and so I submitted it. I unfortunately was not one of the winners of the contest, but once it was done, I was so proud of it. and like my kids loved it so much and the people that I did share it with were like, you need to do something with this. <laughs> so it sort of, you know, just took on a life of its own. I did a recording of a YouTube video to share with my students first. I saw it. It was great. And suddenly it was like, whoa, you have 500 views, 1,000 views. And now this is three weeks later and it has 24,000 views, which is really insane to me. <laughs> Amazing. So can you, can you tell me about the book, like what, what the book is about? Sure. So one of the, we have been very lucky in our family and um, nobody that we know has been really um, affected too much by COVID, the actual disease. We've had a few friends and family members that had it, but were able to recover really quickly. But one of the biggest things that uh, Sophie, especially at five years old, had a hard time with was her birthday party being canceled and not being able to see her friends at school anymore and finish her year at pre-k it was her first year ever at school um so the book starts out and is based all around sophie's experience um her birthday was in april so her party was canceled and instead we had a surprise birthday parade and we invited all of our friends and family who are available which 
a lot of people were available because nobody's doing anything else, I guess. Right. Uh, and they all came driving by at five o'clock on her birthday. And we had a sign, honk five times for Sophie's part, for Sophie's fifth birthday. And I, cry, I cried. I was like a mess because it was just such a nice moment. And uh, to see our family and everybody waved and honked their horns and they showed up with signs and balloons hanging out the window. It was just really so, so sweet. And Sophia hugged me afterwards and said, Mommy, that was the best birthday ever. Oh, that is so sweet. So that's what the book is based around. It starts off with her outside of our house wearing a mask and saying, this is my birthday this year. And how did this happen? And um, the breaking news of the night we saw on TV, school was being closed and uh, using Zoom meetings and stuff to see her friends and washing our hands and the signs on the, at the park that say, stay six feet apart. So I tried to include all of those little pieces um, that we've had to explain to our kids as this is all happening. Right. And so, um, and so, and right now, how are people picking up the book? Are you, are you, are you getting a lot of uh, bites on the book right now? I, the response has been overwhelming. So um, I started, like I said, sharing it free on the, on the YouTube page, which is still there for free for students and families to access that way. Um, but then I had, it, actually, I'm using a local printer that works uh, out of Industry City to print the books. And I'm shipping them out of my dining room table, off of my dining room table. Um, In addition to everything else you have to yes, do. Yes, I know. People incredible. are like, are you crazy? But it was just some, so many people loved it that I wanted to get it into their hands. Because mm -hmm. I feel like for a children's book, there's something special about sitting down with the actual book in your hands and reading it together as a family, as opposed to just um, having it on the computer. Um, so I created a website, thisisnotforever.com, where you can buy the book. It actually was just um, picked up by Amazon as well, so you can also order it on Amazon now, the paperback copy. Um, and yeah, I've had like educators from all over are reaching out saying they're using it for their social emotional learning lessons. Um, I've had orders to Hawaii and Florida and California and Minnesota, and it's just, it's really been incredible. Good. Well, I hope you get more from this too. Yeah, that would be really awesome. Yes. <laughs> I, so I was tell actually me. Uh, interviewed this this afternoon by um, somebody from the Brooklyn Reporter as well. So. Oh. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> Brooklyn. It's, yay. I'm, I live in Brooklyn too. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice to like for the the local support of everything has been really wonderful and the amount of messages I've been getting from families and from educators just to say this is exactly what the kids needed to hear right now. People are sending just the most lovely messages that make me tear up and say, this is worth it for me to stay up late and pack these orders, you know? So tell me about your routine every night at seven o'clock. What's that like? Oh yeah, so at seven o'clock, we, we are lucky enough to have a little Brooklyn-sized terrace in our, at our apartment. Um, and we have been, since it all started going out at seven o'clock to clap for the healthcare workers and essential workers. and. It started out just a few neighbors. There's a whole bunch of terraces across the street as well. And now we, every night we see so many neighbors that come out and it's like such a heartwarming two or three minutes, but it means so much and the kids get excited and they wave and we play music. We play like Frank Sinatra, New York, New York and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's great. And I'm telling you, we have met more neighbors <laughs> through all of this 
that it's just kind of funny how things like that can bring people together. Right. So tell me, um, besides routine, what advice do you have to parents right now that are raising children who have their own jobs? What can you, what can you advise to them that has helped you? You know, it's, it's about the routines and it's about prioritizing, like, and realizing that some days are going to look a little bit different. Some days, guess what? We're going to change it up a little bit and we're not going to sit and do our work right now because everybody needs to go out for a walk or everybody needs to just chill out and watch a movie and have a snack. Like, I think that having those moments myself to realize, okay, everybody needs a break right now because this is a lot. It's a lot on all of us and it's different and we're stuck in the house most of the time. So I feel like it's like just realizing those moments. I don't know. As a teacher, I've had those moments where I go, okay, we have to stop here and do something different. Right, right. So, so where do we go from here? Where do you go from here? You just wrote your first book, and which is immensely popular. Where, what do you, where do you want to go from here, at least as a book writer? Yeah, I mean, this is something I've been saying I wanted to do for a long time. And I have uh, sketchbooks filled with ideas of books that I thought that I might um, sit down to do. And I finally sat down and did this one. And it's receiving such wonderful, um, you know, love from everybody and support that I would absolutely love to do another book. Um, but now I've set the bar a little high. <laughs> and I'm just kind of looking for inspiration all around me for what book number two might be about. Um, people have said, oh, do a selfie series. Um, you know, I, I don't know. We'll That's see. Great. Would definitely love to continue making stories for families and educators to share with their students and their children. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so tell me what you think about where do we go as educators from here? I mean, we don't really know. We have no idea what's going to happen in the fall. So what are your thoughts? Hey, um, it's kind of, it really is just so up in the air that I think we just have to take this. I think all educators will be looking forward to a summer of relaxing and stepping away from the computer a little bit and taking time to regroup. Um, but I think things are going to be different. I think things are going to look different. I think we need to prepare ourselves mentally and prepare the kids mentally for that. Um, Sophie actually asked me the other day, she said, mommy, am I going to meet my kindergarten teacher on Zoom? And I said, you know what, you might, you know, I think that preparing kids is a really important um, thing. Like when I taught kindergarten for several years and even though they're little, I think that they deserve to know the truth of what's going on and prepare themselves. So I've already started preparing her that yes, we may have to continue doing this. I've told Lucas who's going to be going into pre-K, you may have to do your activities on the computer in September. So. I think just mentally preparing for the different possibilities is important for adults and kids. I mean, what, do, what happens to parents who have to go to work is always my question. If kids right. are learning online, then what happens to you? Because you're a teacher, so you will have to go and maybe report to the classroom, but your kids might be at home. And so I keep wondering about that. I know. It's, it's really it's all really up in there. Like they've talked about those cohorts A and B if people go in on staggered schedules, but what happens if me and my kids are on different schedules? I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I mean, to expect um, 
grandparents and babysitters to be accountable to get the kids on and do remote learning, that's, that's a big responsibility. Um, so right. I, I don't know. I, it's, it's really interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> it's a good word for it. We're just like, it's going to be interesting for all of us, definitely. Do you have any um, stories of, of like children who've read your book that it, it's made a difference for? Um, so when I first shared it with the kids, they were writing the most adorable little comments on their Google Classroom. Where, I'm so proud of you, Mrs. Meehan. And oh, your illustrations are amazing. And just like, such sweet little um, little comments. And then there were also kids that wrote serious responses. Like, I've been feeling really sad and to see the page where Sophie cries and hugs you made me feel better, um, which is, you know, it's heartbreaking to hear kids say things like that. And um, the other night I did a live read aloud uh, for the students, I read it and they were all on the Zoom meeting listening. And then they had question and answers afterwards. And they are really, they're like, so smart about all of it. You know, they say, yeah, I have to wear a mask too. And my dad doesn't let me go into the supermarket anymore. And when are playgrounds going to be open? Um, they, they have so many questions. And I feel like just to see it on paper and to know that other kids feel that way too, helps them to feel comforted a little bit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, I think it's amazing that they have a resource because I keep wondering how, I mean, how is it to be a child and not have your friends around? How is it to be a child and not have that social emotional learning and, you know, how to get along with people? Right. Right. I mean, my kids are lucky because they have each other. So they do play and fight um, throughout the day. <laughs> but right. Like to, to not have friends and learn that, you know, sharing and taking turns and just having kid conversations is something that they're really missing out on and we're going to have to as educators think about that when we do get back to all of this like how important socialization is yeah i and i think we're, we're going to have to have a lot of counselors i think that's one of the things that schools you know if schools have money should invest in is more counseling for these kids because we don't know what every situation is like and what kids have gone through. Right. And absolutely. It's, um, I had a student actually recently tell me that her mom's, her mom's best friend passed away from the virus and that she was feeling so sad and that her mom is so sad. And like, what, what do you say to an eight year old that's dealing with that? You know, um, because you want to give them information and, let them know what's happening. But at the same time, they're so innocent. You don't want to make them nervous and scare them. So there's a real delicate balance between, you know, how to handle this with kids. Right. Right. And, you know, it's, it, it's interesting because I know you're an art teacher and I'm an art teacher. I'm a theater teacher and I'm, I'm concerned about budget cuts next year. And I, I, I read an article that in a, a district in Massachusetts, they have gotten rid of art, music, gym and um I, I don't know if it was theater or something but they they basically you know how important is an art class for for students right now like how important is art right uh, i i mean i'm a huge advocate for the arts obviously as an art teacher um i actually work at a school that is for the arts so we are lucky enough to have a theater teacher a music teacher an art teacher um 
But unfortunately, in many situations, those are the things that get cut first. Um, and we, we had that conversation with our administration as well. Like, do you see us possibly going into the classrooms? Um, you know, if we come back to school and there's only 12 kids allowed at a time, are we going to get 12 of those kids and, and teach them reading and math, you know? Um, and she said, all of those possibilities are out there. They're all out on the table. This all needs to be figured out. So it's just scary because I, I, I know and I see every year how important art can be to students, to, the, to our ELL students, to our students with disabilities. Sometimes those art classes are where they shine. Right. I mean, and they're so proud of themselves when they do these amazing projects and it would be a, it would be a real disservice if they lose those classes. Right. And I think it's, it, I, I think it, it's, it's healing. I think the arts help children work through feelings like oh, nothing 100%. else. They can draw, you know, or they can act it out, you know, or they can create music where just a regular classroom, you're not, you're not getting that. And I feel really strongly about advocating for the arts, but it's very hard because the classrooms are going to be cut in half and so supposedly like the rooms are, our rooms are going to be taken over if you have your own room right. that you're going to be tra a traveling teacher. So, you know, I, I pray that, that schools, it sounds like your school is an advocate for the arts, that they'll do what they can to keep the program. I sure hope so. I mean, I, I've had conversations with my colleagues before and I tell them about things that kids talk about in my room and they're like, why do they always tell you all of this stuff? <laughs> like, I don't know, something about sitting and drawing and painting just gets them talking about their feelings and, you know, they share stuff that they wouldn't normally share sitting in a regular um, academic classroom. So it is really important, especially after all this, for them right. to have those outlets, to have theater class, to act things out and show how they've been feeling and to paint about it and draw about it, you know? Exactly. I'm so excited about your book. And I love that not only you're a mother of three, but you're a new book writer. And I really hope that you come out with other books because I, I think that it's going to be very successful, whatever you do. And I just thank you for being an art teacher and, and giving what you do to, to the students. They really need people like you. Thank you. Thank so. you. Thank you a million times. I mean, this has really been like a whirlwind experience. It's all happened so quickly, but I feel very lucky that the book has been um, loved as much as it has been loved already. And it's only a couple of weeks old. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, it just goes to show what an amazing piece it is. So congratulations on that. Um, again, I will post about uh, your how people can find your book and I hope you get lots of readers from that. And I wish you all the luck with summer coming up and let's hope that next year is going to be, we're going to be all be okay. <laughs> let's hope so. Thank you so much. I hope the thank same for you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. And thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This has been the Warriors of Education podcast, dedicated to all the hardworking teachers across this country. We hear you. We see you. We honor you. Thank you.